0: Hey guys, I'm Pete. And I'm Alex. And you're listening to the Kick, Push, Pivot podcast. I'm a former Fortune 500 consultant dedicated to the idea of innovation and growth.
1: And I used to manage marketing tours for the Rolling Stones, focused on creating one-of-a-kind customer experiences. On this podcast, we interview people faced with the decision to kickstart innovation, push through doubt, or pivot to something new. We hope you find something inspiring or encouraging as you listen.
0: Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Kick, Push, Pivot. We have a very special guest today, a person that's near and dear to my heart, Pastor Paul Baines from Project We Hope and United Builders. Um, I also have my co-host here as well, Alex. Say hi to the people, Alex.
1: Yes, sir. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. Excited to share another episode with you guys. Uh, And as we like to say here, good to see all of your smiling faces on the radio.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And Pastor Baines, thank you for joining us as well.
2: Thank you for having me here. Appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity. All
0: right. Well, to launch off, I just want to introduce everyone to Pastor Paul Baines. He's a good friend of mine. He also happens to be uh, the executive director and president of Project We Hope, which is an organization, a nonprofit focused on dealing with homelessness and people at risk in the East Palo Alto area, as well as um, other parts of Northern California. He is in four different counties and 17 cities with plans to expand to Southern California soon. And he is also involved with United Builders. We're going to hear both stories on how those organizations came about. But uh, Pastor Baines, I'll turn it over to you. Why don't you share a little bit about kind of how you came up with the idea of Project We Hope uh, and kind of where you are at today?
2: Well, thank you, Pete um and alex um it's a pleasure to be here um my wife and i uh, co-founded uh a project we hope when we first started we've actually last year changed the name to we hope uh just shortened it up a little bit for our 20th uh, anniversary and we started it back in 1999 um conceptually um and we hope stands for we help other people excel um, when we were married, we always said we wanted to help um, have a preschool and, and deal with education in marginalized communities. We wanted to help the homeless. And, um, and so that's why we started this organization. And those are our focal points. Um, not so much the preschool at this point in time, but helping the homeless and also violence prevention and housing. Excellent.
0: And you run this with Cheryl, your wife, you guys kind of tag team and I know she handles some of the operational side of things as well. Both of yeah. you, I, I've personally met great dynamic duo. Love you guys. Thank you for everything you do.
2: Well, thank you. Um, without her, um, all of this would not really be possible. And because I am a man of faith, obviously, we stand on the word of God that is the impetus of why we do what we do.
0: Absolutely. And I know uh, from a partnership perspective, one of the unique things about we hope is both how you work across the um, race divide, but also across the economic divide because of East Palo Alto and the location being in kind of a, a central area in the Silicon Valley, but also very different with the community there. So could you share a little bit about the community itself that you serve?
2: Yeah. Um, when, we, when people used to talk about East Palo Alto back in the 90s, like 92, 93, it was actually known as the murder capital per capita in the whole country um, because of the uh, death rate, gang violence, drugs was prolific in our community. And so um, I'm a person that tends to be more solution driven than problem consumed. Um, And so we looked at how can we help address violence? And we created a program of chaplaincy, which um, we went to the police department and they were actually, because of some of the police um, brutality that was happening even within the department, we still wanted to go in and figure out a way how can we stop the police brutality, but also how can we stop the violence in the community? And we became this bridge by establishing a police chaplaincy with uh, seven chaplains who were basically either ministers or pastors um, from the faith community to become police chaplains and community chaplains to address violence. And now, uh, what is it, uh, 16, 17 years later, um, this city is no longer uh, the murder capital um, and violence is down by 90% um, in our Mm. community. So, I mean, it's not just us, but it's us working with other CBOs, Uh, but the faith community really spearheaded that charge um, and worked very closely with our police department here in East Palo Alto, and then grew into two other police departments, Palo Alto uh, and Mountain View. Amazing.
0: That's amazing. And I know that you work with several strategic partners as well that help provide resourcing for your group. I think you mentioned Chan Zuckerberg um, and the the team there uh, within the Facebook family help you guys out as well as Philanthropic Ventures, um, another amazing organization and also Silicon Valley um, Community Foundation. Can you share a little bit about how you work with strategic partners as well?
2: Yeah, I mean, We Hope started off, you know, um, very small and was volunteers. Um, when we saw that there was no homeless services in East Palo Alto, um, actually the county was the first one, San Mateo County, um, Beverly Johnson reached out to us and asked us, if we can use $30,000. Cause she heard about the work that we're doing with our volunteers with the warming shelter to get the homeless off the street and into a safe environment. And so I asked the question, is that a trick question? Of course we can use $30,000. You know, we got all volunteers. And then from there, um, our city, East Palo Alto, matched that grant. And then that's where philanthropic ventures and uh, at the time, um, Silicon Valley Community Foundation and San Francisco uh, Foundation helped us undergird. We were able to apply for grants because we got grants from the county and the city, which is a level of credibility that any organization, if you're a nonprofit, if you get in with a city or county, it's kind of like the vetting uh, for you to get other grants from other uh, resources, such as foundations. And so that's why we have a very strong relationship with uh, Priscilla Chan and the and Chan Zuckerberg organization who has helped undergird not just WeHope, but also um, United Hope Builders, which is our second entity that we started um, uh, 18 months ago.
1: Pastor Baines, tell me a little bit about starting uh, th- this homeless um business that you have going I mean did you know what you were doing when you first started out or did you just kind of figure it out as you went can you kind of tell us about that
2: um it it's kind of a a, I would say we did we know what we're doing no um did we know what we wanted to do yes (laughs) and so you know a vision, it came to me. We were doing midnight basketball, midnight soccer to help address violence prevention. And so we had a 2,400 uh, square foot warehouse that we called the Lord's Gym where we would uh, get these kids together and, um, you know, just give them a safe environment. If they were warring, warring gang members, they would come here, no guns, no knives, but they could play against one another. And we build Teamwork that way. We would build understanding one another. Um, and from there, you know, um, once we got that program all solidified and what have you, then we looked at using the gym to become a warming shelter. Um, and that's where um, my wife and I, uh, when I was outside looking at a, a locker one time and I saw a pillow in it, um, it was a, a bike locker but it was one of those enclosed bike lockers. And I saw a pillow and a blanket. And immediately what came to me was I was hungry. You didn't feed me. I was homeless and you didn't invite me in. And so that's when I went to my board and said, hey, we need to do something about this homeless problem because in the county of San Mateo, there's only two homeless shelters um, and there's no homeless services in East Palo Alto or in the surrounding area. And, and the board unanimously agreed with me. Um, and so that's when we started that warming shelter with just volunteers. Um, that could sleep in there during the coldest months of the year, which was typically from November to April. Awesome.
1: That's really interesting. So basically it started from basketball and sports and bringing people together and then just kind of grew from there.
2: Yeah, because you have a lot of homeless families, homeless kids living out on the street, couch surfing, what have you, living in cars and vehicles. Um, And then it blossomed and people heard about the good work that we're doing because we were changing people, changing the lives, the trajectory of their lives. Um, and we didn't have a formal process at the time. Um, and we just had a will and a passion um, that we were going to make a difference in people's lives. And God honored that from my perspective. Now, I do have a business background, so there there was some process because I am big on process and system. But this was uncharted territory. And... Um, and so we looked at what some of the best practices were doing out there with other service providers. And next thing we knew, um, we were getting uh, larger grants. Uh, I think it was 2008 um, that we got a large $1.2 million grant uh, from the county of San Mattel. Um, wow. And it allowed us to become a year-round um, shelter. And so now we have a 100-bed shelter in San Francisco that we run and 74-bed shelter in East Palo Alto that we run.
1: Wow, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I know you mentioned some challenges that you faced, especially uh, when it comes to like a, the rough neighborhood, the police brutality, the gangs, um, just to name a few. But can you speak to some of the, the challenges that you faced when you were starting this, getting this going, and kind of how you pushed through those in order to build it to what it is today?
2: Yes, um, I mean... When you start off any business, um, whether it's for-profit or non-profit, it's it's one, making sure you have a a solid business plan. Um, The old saying, if you don't know where you're going, anywhere will get you there. Awesome. So, um, you know, developing that, my wife and I did that, and then bringing in the right team members to enhance what we currently have, but also to, you know, charter new courses, uh, new territories um, that we, we looked at, we don't want to just give them what they call a hot and a cot, which is a a warm meal and a safe place to stay, but we want to change the trajectory. Um, you know, I don't believe love is love unless discipline's in it. And so we, you know, we say, okay, we need to give them jobs so they can be self-sufficient. Um, we want to get everyone, um, house and our mission is our vision. Our mission is to become healthy, employed, and housed by using innovation solutions, uh, and so that's what we're about. We we we've been blessed to receive awards from the state and the and also the federal government. Jackie Spear has honored us. Um, Anna Su has honored us, and of course, the state capitol, the mayor, um, uh, Governor Newsom, and um, and so and what have you for some of the programs because we're. I'm always about being innovative from having a for-profit business. We were very innovative working with Hewlett Packard and Sony and Seagate. And we just took that mindset into the nonprofit world um, to create things that are impactful, that move the needle and make a difference. Um, so that's what uh, that's what we're about.
1: Very cool. So you mentioned that you have a little bit of a tech background as well. That's, that's interesting. Can you kind of speak to that about how you maybe you transferred some of those business skills from the tech world and then brought that over into how you created your business plan?
2: Well, yeah, and 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 what it is, it's I have a background in logistics um, and trucking that we worked with tech companies. Like we had a 19 year relationship with Hewler Packard. And I I remember Dave Packard, I remember uh, Lou Platt, uh, John Young. And because we we did Bain's facilities management. Um, we coordinated all of their moves from conception to closure. So we do the space planning. uh, We would do the telecom. We would do small TIs. Uh, But I've learned something through HP, which was called TQRDCE to this very day, which is like a quality process. So T was technology. Q was quality. uh, TQR. R was responsiveness. D was for delivery. C was for cost. And E was for environment. And so Working 19 years as a contractor for HP, um, you know, if you can meet their expectations, you can meet at that time many other expectations through uh, both for profit and non profit. And we took that mindset and implemented that within uh, We Hope and now United Hope Builders. Um, so that's what we, w- we were able to leverage off of our learning because we would, went through a lot of their trainings that they would take their own management level uh, staff through.
1: Awesome. I think nice. that's probably a good segue here into United Home Builders. So you have this pretty successful foundation that you have going with We Hope. Um, tell us about your pivot to to We Hope Builders and, and kind of how that process went.
2: Well, because I, I sit on the board of some very um, large um, housing developers, uh, nonprofit housing developers, um, I looked at the good work that they're doing, but I also looked at um, we could be doing better and that the numbers could trickle down to the most needed people um, that are to receive services. And and so I, I, my wife and I, again, set out because um, um, we have a firm belief that you can't solve the homeless problem unless you have housing. Um, we have great programs that we hope, you know, we have a jobs program. We have a recidivism program where we go into the jails for those who are about to get out and help them get on the right track so we can reduce recidivism and they can be, you know, um, uh, just significant contributors to society, um, by changing, helping them change their life around. Uh, we have a feeding program where we feed over 1500 families every single week, um, and a variety of other programs. Um, and so when, when I look at that, we said, well, let's look at housing. How, what are we going to do about housing? We have case managers. We have 101 employees at WeHope, hope, um, you know, that serve these four counties in 17 cities, um, which just startles me. I, it's hard to believe because I remember it was just me and my wife <laughs> at the beginning and a few other volunteers. And now we have 101 employees and growing. Wow. And so we, we said, well, now what can we do? Uh, we have all these programs that is getting them all the way up to housing. And so, Um, We traveled the country, we looked at eight different housing manufacturers, and because of what uh, CZI, Chan Zuckerberg said, um, a young lady over there by Ruby, who's over there house, he says, she said, Pastor Baines, won't you consider this, because we know you're looking at housing manufacturers, consider this one called IndieDwell. And so when we traveled to uh, Idaho, we looked at five different manufacturers out there. We looked locally here, um, like Factory OS and a few others and but andy dwell had the same mission they were more mission aligned with us um, the philosophy of taking care of their co-workers um we have a very low attrition rate it's probably less than four percent um at WeHope, hope and our competitors our peers i should say um their rates are around sometimes 20 to 40 percent um attrition rate and so mm. we, we we count that by how we listen to our co-workers and we hear what they're saying and we try to empower them and give them an opportunity to really be impactful and live out their purpose um, that fulfills our organizational goals. Um, and so when we looked at um, doing this, this new program, United Hope Builders, um, they were much aligned with 20 percent of the factory will be owned by the workers who worked in the factory. You know, wow. um, so we're not only creating; it'll create over a hundred jobs once we get it going. Um, we've raised four million of the um, uh, six million dollars needed to open the factory. Um, so we just got two more million, and then we can open the factory this year, and we'll be able to produce four hundred homes annually. Um, that will cost two will cost eighty five thousand dollars for a two bedroom, um, and one hundred and twenty four thousand for a four bedroom. Um, which is phenomenal. And these are homes that are being produced out of um, uh, repurposed uh, containers. And so that's one of the things that we are just blessed to be in a position to really change the, the trajectory of families that, you know, like if we look at our RV safe parking program, you know, we partnered with the city of East Palo Alto to create the country's first RV safe parking program. We leveraged off of our you know, history of working with the shelters and with our jobs program on really how to serve and minister to these families um, so that they don't stay in their vehicles. Um, They don't stay in their RVs because many RV participants think they're not homeless because they have an RV. Well, they're still homeless. Um, They're just living in an RV. Um, RVs were supposed to be what? Uh Recreational vehicles, not homes uh to to live in for the most part and so that's why uh, we created united hope builders um, to really change trajectory and we think it's going to be a great impact not just in the bay area but all california because it's already making an impact in idaho virginia and colorado Um,
1: that's incredible so you're building these houses out of shipping containers Um, it, obviously that's one way that you kept the cost down. Is there anything else that you can speak to as far as how you were able to get those prices, those homes built for such an incredible price?
2: Um, yeah. Well, we can't take credit for that. Um, that really is Indie Dwell because this is a joint venture with them. And so Indie Dwell and us, we have the rights to California. Um, we're going to be starting off in Northern California then we're going to expand to Southern California. Um, we already have projects on the order, um, for people who want to order these units. We're going to have, um, you know, um, uh, we have two units that will be completed, uh, within the next week right here in East Palo Alto. That's model homes. That's a via, it'll be a three bedroom and it'll be a two bedroom unit, um, that we'll be able to display to, um, the whole Bay area, um. Um, and we're going to move two homeless families in them, even while we're displaying them as model homes, because we want them to have a better quality of life.
1: Amazing. That's really cool. I like the fact that, that not only are you building the houses, but you're also giving people jobs at the same time. It's yeah,
2: it's, it, and I, we look at it as workforce development. We look at, at it as obviously gainful employment with an outstanding benefit package that is better than one um, that we already have at, um, at We Hope um, and many other nonprofits and probably even for profits. And then we're looking at wealth creation because of the equity position that each coworker will have. Um, so we really are trying to move the needle for a better quality of life for those that are marginalized. And we're not doing this, um, there's a cap on the profits for United Hope Builders, it's 9%. So it keeps everything very low cost because um, our specific target market is 30% AMI folks. That's area, medium income folks. So that's your working poor and that's your marginalized, that's your homeless uh, targeted people. So they can afford a home. They can afford to actually own the home. And definitely in a multifamily project, they'll be able to rent at a very, very low cost. You know, we're looking at around six to $800 uh, for a unit to to rent, which is pretty unheard of. Now, that doesn't include the land. You know, we still have to get the land. And we're looking at working with non-traditional landowners, such as school districts, faith-based communities, uh, even car dealerships who have expressed the interest where they want to keep their co-workers c- closer where they're not moving out to Modesto or, you know, Sacramento than coming in and commuting into the Bay Area.
0: Yes, I love that. And there's actually a nugget I want to go back to which you mentioned earlier, when you were talking about your organization and taking care of your staff and your people and keeping not just the retention low, but as well. But I imagine as you kind of build this team, as you expand out and work with these partners and continue to grow across the country, that trust is very important within your organization Um, because trust not only helps people stay with your organization and catch the vision and keep keep things going, but it also has an impact on the business. Can you share a little bit about that as well?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a firm believer that change only moves at the speed of trust. And so you have to bring in the right, uh, and, and, and this is not meant in a derogatory way, but you got to bring in the right mules to pull the carriage. And so, you know, when you grow, when you reach a million dollars, that's a different level than a $3 million, than a 5 than a $10 million organization. Um, and so, you know, At these different levels, that means you have to look at, okay, new team members that can help manage the process, that can enhance what's currently in there, and that can help, you know, get you um, to help you meet those milestones, to meet those goals and objectives. Um, So if you don't trust your team, uh, your coworker, uh, your teammate, then it's going to be really difficult to move that needle as fast as you could if you did trust them. Mm mm-hmm. hmm. Yeah, I think
0: it. that's a that's a hidden gem. Absolutely. That's something that I wanted to highlight, just because I think a lot of people uh, sometimes in the business space tend to lose sight of that piece about how important trust is, because it's a, it's a key principle that applies not just the nonprofit space, but it also applies to technology, healthcare, all the different people we're talking to. And I think that's a great thing to highlight um, for here. Yes. Um, as we kind of close out the podcast for today, I have one more question for you. Uh, amongst United Builders, as well as we hope, what is the biggest one or two things you've learned during this whole experience and adventure?
2: One or two things that I've learned. Um, one, that you are only as good as the people you surround yourself with. Um, that, to me, is huge. Um I, I truly thank God for the many people that we have working with our organization. We have, we have a multi-ethnic, multicultural uh, community within our, um, our business model. We actually even hire um, the very homeless people that we've been able to help get jobs, well, get housing. And then of course we've given them jobs. And so they have a clear lived experience insight on what works very well for their fellow brothers and sisters that are unhoused um, and that are homeless. Um, And so that, to me, is one of the key things. And then you also have to bring in a level of professionalism um, from people who um, are extremely skilled, uh, such as in accounting or logistics or or, um, development. And those team members really help make We Hope what it really is today. Um, I am so grateful and I am so blessed to have these people um, around me. Um, You know, people give me a lot of credit, but the credit really goes to our staff, um, from the people who are out there in the rain, providing showers and and washing the, the homeless clothes, to the people who are in our shelter, who are residential service coordinators, um, to my assistant Nakia, just all of them that um, allow me to do what I'm able to do because without them it wouldn't be possible. Um, so mm-hmm. that would be definitely one of the, the key things I, w- I would bring up. Of course, my woman. excellent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <I> got one. <mention laughs> Don't the forget about that one.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, she's, <laughs> the one there. she's more in the background, and and um, you know she's in the HR in the county. Um, she's into, you know, the details and, uh, um, uh, I just have staff members, T- Alicia, TJ, uh, Dina, um, they uh, Anita, they're just outstanding. I mean, they're very passionate. They really genuinely care. They're not, it's not just the job to them. It's, it's, it's their livelihood. Uh, and so much so that I have to tell them, um, are you taking care of yourself? Um, uh, I need to see more margin in your life. Um, I work some crazy hours, you know, I'm working 60, 70 hours a week, pastoring the church and running two businesses. Um, um but I don't expect that of everyone else. But when I see them not, and I, I'm working on modeling this because that was our new commitment that, um, I'm going to do a better job of, of creating more margin and work-life balance in my own life. Um, and now in the last three months, cause COVID has hit us really, really bad. And um, we we had greater demand in this COVID world, um, and so that caused us to work much longer hours. Um, and yet, we still had to take care of ourselves um, through the process. And so, um, I love it when I walk out of my office. Maybe it's at six, six thirty, and everybody's gone. Where before, everyone would still be there. Uh, and so, I'm working on, you know, getting home at, by six o'clock, um, even. 530. I'm, I'm going to keep ratcheting it up as much as possible. Awesome. That's good.
0: Well, I know that you have um, tons of uh, more information online. So if you could share both the website people can go to, and where they can give if they're interested and passionate about the issues of homelessness or affordable housing. And then if you have any events coming up, if you could highlight those um, here today, so that people can also support you in that way.
2: Sure, sure. Um, if they want to help We Hope and, and the services that we provide, they can go to wehope.org. That's W-E-H-O-P-E dot org. Uh, and it tells you about the 10, 11 programs that we have going on and where you can donate. Um, and then also with United Hope Builders, it would be unitedhopebuilders.org. And it will also has an opportunity. It tells you about what we're doing, uh, where we're going and um and how to donate. As far as events, um, the two model homes that will be um, be finished within the next week, we're doing event on Valentine's Day, which is a Sunday at 2 p.m. Um, it will be a virtual event. Uh, Priscilla Chan will be speaking, Nicole Taylor, the CEO of Silicon Valley, will be speaking, Fred Blackwell from the San Francisco Foundation will be speaking, and also uh, county supervisors and our mayor Um, We'll be speaking on that event, 2 p.m. on February 14th, Valentine's Day, um, and we can send you, you can go to um, United Hope Builders, and it should be on our website, or they can just email me at pbains, P-B-A-I-N-S, the number seven, at wehope.org, and um, I can get you the RSVP or the invite, or we can send you the invite, and you can post it on your website.
1: Awesome
0: fantastic
1: well Pastor Baines I want to personally say thank you uh, as somebody that's born and raised in the Bay Area very proud to have you on our show and super excited for what you're doing for the Bay Area and for the people of this uh, of this area as well so thank you
2: well thank you for having me I I, I greatly appreciate it. I have a great uh, respect for Pete Mackey and what he does I'm uh, helping um, nonprofits and for-profits uh, with the business that he uh, works in so Thank you all for what you're doing. I think it's good uh, and we have to make time to tell the story that's going to actually build a better and healthier community. So thank you for what you all are doing.
0: All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at KPP
1: Podcast. If you'd like to be on the show or know someone who would make a great guest, feel free to reach out. Hope to see you next time.